Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. I've been running a, a sort of little mini-series of programs. Began not last night, but the Wednesday before. It ran a couple of nights last week and several nights this week. And it wraps up tonight. It ends tonight. It's a special series that really focuses on what Christianity is all about, looking at the big picture, getting the big sweeping view over these sort of five programs. And this program, the the last in the series that wraps it up tonight, is entitled, What Jesus Wants. Thanks for joining us. Nice to have your company. What we've been doing over this little series of programs is explaining Jesus Christ and explaining him by looking at Mark's biography or gospel of Jesus, an eyewitness document. It's a report based on the memories of Peter, one of the first followers of Jesus, and it's a report that takes us right back to the Jesus generation. Well, the story so far is that Jesus turned up on the banks of the River Jordan, where John the Baptist was baptising people. Jesus was baptised by John, and after John was arrested, Jesus went to work. He began travelling around, preaching and teaching. His message was, turn back to God, for the kingdom of God is near. He called some fishermen and others to follow him, and they did. He ordered bad spirits to stop tormenting people and come out of them, and they did. He ordered diseases to come out of sick people, and they did. He ordered the storm to cease, and it did. Finally, his inner circle of followers realized that he was the long-promised, long-awaited Messiah or Christ or anointed one. And as soon as the penny dropped, Jesus began teaching them that he had to die. That death was his destiny, his goal, his purpose. He said that he came to give his life to rescue many people. He taught the crowds that followed him. He taught them about the kingdom of God, often telling them teaching stories called parables. And he turned towards Jerusalem, where he knew his death would take place. There, one of his inner circle turned traitor and betrayed Jesus to the authorities. They seized him by force, put him through a mockery of a trial on trumped-up charges, and then dragged him off to the Roman governor to have the death sentence pronounced. From there, the soldiers mocked and tortured Jesus, led him out on a hill called the Skull and nailed him to a cross. As he was dying, the commanding officer of the execution squad said, this man really was the Son of God. The penny finally dropped that late in the day. Mark takes up the story. You listen as I read from Mark chapter 15, verse 42, through to chapter 16, verse 8. Now it was the evening before the Sabbath, and the Jewish people were getting ready for that sacred day. A man named Joseph from Arimathea was brave enough to ask Pilate for the body of Jesus. Joseph was a highly respected member of the Jewish council, and he was also waiting for God's kingdom to come. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead, and he called in the army officer to find out if Jesus had been dead very long. After the officer told him, Pilate let Joseph have Jesus' body. Joseph brought a linen cloth and took the body down from the cross. He had it wrapped in the cloth, and he put it in a tomb that had been cut into solid rock. Then he rolled a big stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were watching and saw where the body was placed. After the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene, Salome, and Mary, the mother of James, brought some spices to put on Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as the sun was coming up, they went to the tomb. On their way, they were asking one another, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance for us? But when they looked, they saw the stone had already been rolled away, and it was a huge stone. The women went into the tomb, 
and on the right side they saw a young man in a white robe sitting there. They were alarmed. The man said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus from Nazareth, who was nailed to a cross. God had raised him to life, and he isn't here. You can see the place where they put his body. Now go and tell his disciples, and especially Peter, that he will go ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. When the women ran from the tomb, they were confused and shaking all over. They were too afraid to tell anyone what had happened. Well, there you are. That's Mark chapter 15, verse 42 through to chapter 16, verse 8. The women, at that moment, although not later, got it wrong. Throughout his life, Jesus had kept the fact that he was the Christ secret from the crowds, so they wouldn't misunderstand. Well, now that he'd come back from the dead, it was time to tell everyone the news. But their nerve failed them, at least for the moment it did, and they failed to speak out, just like Peter on the night that he betrayed Jesus. Well now, the first followers of Jesus didn't stay silent for long. They shared the news with each other, and then with everyone who'd listen. Peter in particular became a bold and courageous leader, prepared to tell people about Jesus, even when the authorities threatened him and threw him into prison for doing so. In fact, Peter devoted the rest of his life to travelling to various parts of the Roman Empire, spreading the news about Jesus. His memoirs of Jesus, which he told so often to so many people, were written down by Mark. And that's what we've been looking at over these five programs. A few years after these events that we've just heard about, Peter gave a talk to the household of a Roman centurion in the coastal city of Caesarea, explaining who Jesus was and why he came and what he matters, why he matters and what he requires of us. Here is a summary of what Peter said on that occasion. This comes from the New Testament part of the Bible, from Acts chapter 10, verses 37 to 43. Peter said, You surely know what happened everywhere in Judea. It all began in Galilee, after John had told everyone to be baptized. God gave the Holy Spirit and power to Jesus from Nazareth. He was with Jesus as he went around doing good and healing everyone who was under the power of the devil. We all saw what Jesus did, both in Israel and in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was put to death on a cross, but three days later God raised him to life and let him be seen. Not everyone saw him. He was seen only by us, who ate and drank with him after he was raised from death. We were the ones God chose to tell others about him. God told us to announce clearly to the people that Jesus is the one he has chosen to judge the living and the dead. Every one of the prophets has said that all who have faith in Jesus will have their sins forgiven in his name. And there you are, that's uh, the part of the Bible that uh, that comes from is Acts chapter 10 verses 37 to 43. You'll remember if you were listening to us at the beginning of this series that Mark began his short book with these words, This is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the climax of the story came when the Roman centurion echoed those words saying, this man really was the Son of God. Now that's what Christianity is all about. It's not about being good. It's not about being religious. Christianity is more like a fan club than anything else. Christianity is the Jesus Christ fan club. It means being devoted to him. And the reason for being devoted to him is that Jesus was and is the Son of God. If you joined the Elvis Presley fan club, you'd be devoted to a dead hero. With Jesus, it's quite different. Although he died, he didn't stay dead. He is not dead. He is alive. 
Jesus is the conqueror of death and the giver of new life. The new life Jesus gives is a reconnection with the creator God we have ignored. That new connection is a permanent connection. It's a connection so strong, nothing can break it, not even physical death. But that reconnection with God is only available in this life, in this world, between the cradle and the grave. And it doesn't come automatically, or because we're good, or because we belong to this or that denomination, or because we've been baptized or done or something. That reconnection with God that Jesus offers comes only when we turn, consciously, deliberately, knowingly turn from our way to his way. Only if we knowingly, consciously, deliberately turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive us and change us and take over the running of our life, both now and forever. If you've never done that, you're on the outer. It doesn't matter how good you are or think you are. It doesn't matter if you've been done or belong to this or that group or organization or denomination. It doesn't matter that you're sincere and doing the best you can. All of those things will go with you into that lonely darkness. The only way into the light is to follow Jesus, talk to him, hand control over to him, join his fan club, devote yourself to him. If you've never taken that step before, take it tonight. Jesus is the one who can forgive, just as he forgave the crippled man whose friends lowered him through the roof. Jesus is the one who can change us, just as he changed Peter from a coward to a leader. But we must recognize Jesus for who he is. We must respond to his question of, Who do you say I am? by answering, My Lord and my God. There are no magic words. Anything along the following lines will do. Just say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me, please change me, please take over the running of my life both now and forever. Just ask him and mean it. And he does the rest. All right. Um, Here's our thought for the night. It comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus said, The time has come. God's kingdom is here. Turn back to God and believe the good news. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.